Seattle Kraken fans. Welcome to another episode of Locked on Kraken. I'm your host, Erica Lindsay Ayala. This is Wednesday's episode, which is also going to be the part two of the roundtable. But before we get into the roundtable, let me make sure you know that today's episode is brought to you by Primal Origin. Primal Origin Oils. Got beard? Get Primal. Stop the itch and make the beard look healthy and groomed. Check out PrimalOriginOils.com to learn more about their full line of beard care and products. Use code LOCKEDON for a 20% discount at checkout. As I mentioned on yesterday's show, I am actually traveling today. So we're going to give you part two of the roundtable conversation that I had with three other Locked On NHL hosts where we talk about toxic hockey culture. If you missed it, Ann Kimmel, Jake Foster, and Rachel Donner and I had this conversation. It aired over on our Locked On, our main Locked On page on Monday. I showed I showed a little bit of it and played a little bit of it on Monday. Played part one, an abbreviated version of part one on yesterday's Tuesday show, and I'm playing part two for you today. This is talking the conversation was sparked around what's happening in Chicago. So I do want to let you know that there is a trigger warning for those. We are going to be talking about sexual assault and abuse. We're not getting into any of the details of the case, but I want to let you know that we will be talking about Isle Beach. We will be talking about John Doe too and his family and other things, unfortunately, that are part of toxic hockey culture. But on part two, and I played a little bit of this on Monday. This is really where the work starts. If you love this sport like all of us do, and you love people in the sport that feel marginalized, this is key for you to listen to because this is all about how we can collectively and individually use our voices to make sure that, as I mentioned on Monday's show, hockey is for everyone. And we want to believe that here at the Locked On Podcast Network, certainly on Locked On Kraken. So that's why I'm very eager to bring you the part two of this, where we start talking about what we as hosts are going to do and things that we'd like to see change in the greater hockey community. As always, thank you for making Locked On Kraken your first listen. Please give all the love and stick taps to Ann Kimmel, one of your co-hosts of Locked on Predators, Jake Foster, your host of Locked on Blue Jackets, and of course, Rachel Donner, one of your hosts of Locked on Flyers. And we couldn't have done it without our fabulous site manager for the Locked on NHL podcasts, as well as the producer of what you're about to watch. That's, of course, the amazing Sean Woodley, who also did the editing. So thank you to all of those. Stick taps to you all. Here is the conversation. Yeah, I, I want to tack on to that on two of the points you were making, Jay. The first of which is sort of that toxic hockey culture aspect of it because I really did to your point Erica feel like there was a huge momentum shift or a paradigm shift when Kyle Beach's name came out and his interview came out that putting a human face and real human emotions on that story just really brought it to the forefront in a way that the name John Doe won and words on paper, while powerful, just could not do on their own. And literally everybody in hockey was talking about it at that point. And, and nobody cared about the games and nobody, 
was focused on, oh, just play the game. This is a side issue. Everybody was focused on Kyle and his story and what can we do to help him and support him and people who could potentially be in his position in the future. And then that in, or I hesitate to use the word enthusiasm, but the focus um, definitely dropped when the interview of John Doe 2's mother came out, which to me was equally as powerful and equally as damning, but yet the focus, um, at least from, you know, my little world of hockey Twitter was, was not there in the same way. And it was, I think equally as upsetting that it wasn't there in, in two ways. Number one, the media focus where it was like all of these other media outlets had jumped on the Kyle Beach story and maybe just the usual suspects were continuing to follow the story and have continued to follow the story. It's really only a few reporters that have followed up in the, in the last couple of weeks. The other aspect of it with the toxic hockey culture is that you look at the players who were on the Blackhawks or around the Blackhawks at the time who were interviewed after Kyle Beach's interview came out, your Jonathan Taves, your Duncan Keith, other players who were there at the time, um, apologetic, you know, in terms of what Kyle Beach went through, but also defending Stan Bowman. I mean, Jonathan Taves defending Stan Bowman after that interview came out was one of the most like, egregious things of cognitive dissonance I have ever seen. And, but that's so, it was absolutely something that you are not surprised by, given how anytime things like this come up, whether it's an issue of racism or homophobia or transphobia or something in the world of hockey, everything closes in and we protect our own and we protect the brand and we protect the logo in front and we don't care about the name on the back. And, you know, and we, we've heard again so much about um, the importance or the, I like actually how Rachel put it, the paradigm shift that happened when we had the name Kyle Beach. However, if we step even outside of sexual assault um, and abuse, in the NHL. Let's just stay in the NHL for a moment. There have been other former NHL players. Uh, there have been names attached to coaches who have perpetuated violence, actual names. And, and yet, and still here we are having conversations about another time where again, the sport was not taking care of its own, uh, a sport that prides itself on being communal because it's a sport that's up and coming and growing, certainly in the United States as comparative to Canada, uh, a sport that is all about family and, and, and whatnot, or so we're led to believe. And yet here we are in situations where we could even stay just in Chicago, right? And how Chicago, as I came into the network on the hockey side of things, Chicago opted to have a, a entire, like stage full of women who apparently they just hired. I had no idea that half of those women were in the organization. Don't recall getting uh, a press release on it either, but had a, a, an entire stage of women there. Why? 
because of other things that were happening in the news with that very organization. So yes, the name having Kyle Beach's name, but we've had other names, Akeem Aliou, as an example. Why is it that there seems to be an excitable blip where again, the, uh, the focus, let's say, is on the the particular circumstance and the victims and those who have been harmed. Um, and then why do we then seem to just have those conversations and the concern or focus vanish? Yeah, I think there's a history. I think this is how the NHL has dealt with issues like this consistently for a very long time. And because it has happened previously where they have had issues and they have been able to sort of tap dance around them uh, and then they've sort of faded, I think that they don't know or don't care to have a better um, a better method of handling these things moving forward. And I think like you said, this is not a one-off issue. This is not a one-time thing. I think that there are systemic issues in the NHL that have to be addressed and that have to be changed. And it's discouraging to see this momentum kind of fade away as people tend to focus back again to on-ice things because nobody on the ice is going to be protected until you handle and manage the leadership and the situations off ice. Um, and, and like you said, there is something about this NHL kind of, uh, it's a team and we have each other's backs. And that is a, a great experience in sports, but it can also be used to perpetuate behaviors and attitudes that are toxic. And I think that we have seen that time and time again and it's there has to be a point in time there has to be a tipping a tipping point with the NHL with the fans and leadership where they say really enough is enough and i think what fans in finance is willing to overlook the NHL is willing to allow because in the end this chicago blackhawks this specific experience is all about winning the cup over following our conscience. It's cup over conscience. And when we allow that to continue, and it has, I mean, this is not, again, this is not a one-time issue. When we allow that to continue and do not hold the NHL and its leadership accountable, this is going to perpetuate. And mm -hmm. it's difficult because there are voices in the, in the sport itself who want change as well. But I think the change has to come from the top down or the bottom up. And when you lose the momentum, they're off the hook. Yeah. And I want to get to that point in just a minute. And you bring up such an excellent point. Where, where essentially does the change have to happen? Is it with one particular person? Is it what, with one particular, um, you know, Gov governing body, you know, because we also, you know, we've talked about Stan Bowman a few times. Let's not forget that he's also a part of, or was, uh, of USA Hockey. And USA Hockey has a terrible track record, a painfully despicable track record on this particular type of harm. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to get 
I'm starting to get a little upset here. I've, well, I've been upset. Listen, good reason. It's just like, you know, it bubbles over when you really start it. And, and then the next thing you remember, and it, you, because you, you stay focused on what, what we're talking about now and Kyle Beach and his courage in coming forward and how important that was. But shouldn't it have been important when he mentioned this the first time? That should have been enough. Why wasn't that enough? So I, I, before I completely go off, I did want to go back to Rachel. You mentioned Jonathan Taves and I, I wanted to pull this up. I didn't have it originally, but, um, and it goes also to Anne, what you were talking about and what we were talking about, about that hockey community. And I've been on the, the, the loving end the, of that, um, but there's also the dark side to it. And the quote, this is coming from um, the Sun-Times, Chicago Sun-Times, regardless of mistakes that they, uh, talking about the, you know, Bowman and, and, and the like, have made um, uh, someone like Stan, who has done so much for the Blackhawks, to lose everything they care about and their livelihood as well, then there's an ellipsis. Uh, I don't understand how that makes it go away to just delete them from existence and say, that's it. We'll never hear from them again. Now I'm going to be honest. There's a piece of that that I agree with. However, it's also extremely dismissive of what people who do decide to step forward. And for those who continue to keep pressure on those to, uh, to reveal their process, it is, I find that statement completely dismissive of the cost for those who, who are trying to fight hockey culture. I find that completely dismissive. What I will say is, and the fear that I have, the biggest fear that I have is that, okay, we put a few X's through Aldridge's name on the Stanley Cup. We tossed over a $2 million fine, which we've seen bigger fines in the league. Um, we provide services this one time and yeah oh by the way we're saying that we have a hotline and we're saying that the communication is open and we're saying that the only reason that the hotline and the communication the open communication that we had before uh didn't work that time is because oh it was 10 years ago what the heck has changed what has changed so yeah you know what uh, quote unquote erasing or um removing these people do I have faith that this is going to prevent something else from happening? I have to be honest. The answer is no. No. So it's I, not just enough. Yeah, I do want to, I agree with you absolutely on that point that I don't think as a general rule, it's enough and that it will do anything in terms of dealing with some of these systemic issues that we're talking about, whether it's like racism or misogyny or things like that, that are greater societal issues that are magnified by the insular nature of the toxic hockey culture. I do want to give that hotline a little bit of credit because some people within the Anaheim Ducks organization did use it to report, you know, an abusive situation in their management uh, related to Bob Murray, who was the GM of the team. And as a result of those reports, he was put on administrative leave and then later resigned to go into a like a 30 day program. So 
I, I do want to give the mechanism a little bit of credit here. And it could be that the Anaheim Ducks just wanted to get ahead of things. And, you know, given the nature of, you know, the temperature of the hockey world right now, it was in their best interest to do so, but it turned out to have a good result for the people that work for that company. So I do want to give them a little bit of credit there. That being said, I just don't see it translating to these greater societal issues uh, where there's just so much pushback from this league and and a desire to protect their own and have this continuous circle of we joke about 200 hockey men but it's based on reality that there's this group of people that get you know promoted it's like out of a need to get them out of the role that they're in you know there's a lot of failing up there's a lot of failing sideways and and that's the nature of sports because you know you can only work so long as a coach or a gm in a particular environment before your effectiveness uh depreciates so i get it to some degree but at the same time it's also protecting people who are not good and should not be in charge of mentoring young athletes. We're going to get back into the show, but for now, let me tell you about our lead sponsor, and that is Primal Origin or Oils. Got beard? Get Primal. That's right. You heard me. Got beard? Get Primal. If you are someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get Primal. Maybe you're the person that has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. Primal Origin Oils makes bombs, oils, and whipped butter that are renowned as the best feel in beard products available. This is due to the exotic carrier blend with oils like raspberry seed, rosehip, and chia seed oils. All products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the United States. These, the combo kits are really great because they make for a great holiday gift, number one, you get a little bit of everything. But if you're looking for this product for yourself, then you're going to be glad that you did because you've got a little bit of everything and you can really see how the products work all together. So we know every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils is challenging you to compare their ingredients and feel in the beard to other companies that you've used. And they promise that you will see and feel the difference. That's how confident they are in their product. And don't forget to use promo code locked on that will get you 20% off at primaloriginoils.com that's promo code locked on for a 20% 20% discount off at checkout and i also have to tell you about something i can relate more uh, acutely to and that of course is built bar the holiday season is upon us and you want to have energy as you're doing all the things that you have to get done for the end of the year and you want to be around family and friends while also trying to get a little bit of things done so that you have peace of mind going into the new year. And that's where the holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavored, covered in chocolate, Built Bar has you covered. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. That's because Built Bar offers extra fuel that you need town to, bu to bust down those mall doors or battle all the holiday shoppers. You can just toss it in your purse, in your jacket, and then you know that you won't get hangry throughout the day. Want to cozy up to someone? Share a built Bar. That's certainly what I've done 
family and friends alike. We share Built Bar when I get my monthly shipment in. And it truly has been something that I think um, just makes, it just says that, you know, I love and appreciate you in a different way when you're worried about how hangry they may or may not be. Uh, trust me. Or maybe it's honestly just me. I'm, I'm a huge snacker. So the way to my heart is with snacks and Built Bar is at the top of the list. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. You can use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order at Built.com. Don't forget, Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Happy snacking. I do appreciate you bringing up the hotline in respect to the Anaheim Ducks and even other places. We have heard reports that players are feeling empowered. I will be honest, my bias is coming from there being similar mechanisms after what Akeem Aliou reported and went through. And, um, but I, I do honor that and I appreciate you bringing that up. But Jay, I actually was going to ping you in here because uh, <coughs> Rachel hit on some other things that you have mentioned already and dropped some names already. Like there, unfortunately, um, and I know you say this a lot, like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to remix it here, but like, is, is there any organization that is quote unquote safe or that should not be using a fine tooth comb in light of what we see happening in Chicago right now. And again, um, to what Rachel brought up in Anaheim. And so, you know, where, where do we even go? Like it, it, how do we get to a point where we're not just being reactive to a hotline? What needs to happen throughout the league and including the front office so that the culture starts to shift? Yeah, I think just to kind of finish, um, finish Rachel's thought, like the, the, the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is Mike Babcock, who was fired uh, for the, the, the Leafs not achieving uh, what the, the roster could achieve, I think. He was, he was fired because the team was not performing as well as they could. It subsequently came out that he had been um, bullying, I guess, is is probably the, the best word for it. There was an instance where he, uh, you know, I don't know if this is 100% confirmed or not. He dragged uh, Mitch Marner into his office, made him rank the players in order of, like, who was trying the best and who wasn't trying, and then used that to... Uh, he basically said, oh, well, Mitch says that you're not trying hard enough. You know, this really kind of manipulative um, behavior. It came out that, um, oh, who was it? Was it? I think it was Franz Nielsen came out and said, yeah, he's he's exactly the same as he was 10 years ago. You know, he hasn't changed. Uh, subsequently, you know, he uh, has not coached in the NHL since. He was on TV briefly with uh Sportsnet, I think, uh, and he is now coaching college hockey in Canada. Because if there, I know if, you know, there's someone that I want in charge of a bunch of impressionable teenagers and young adults, it's, it's Mike Babcock. And then just recently there was a, uh, you know, a piece in, in the, the mainstream media that talked about how he's changed and he's better and he should get a second chance in the NHL and, you know, even within that article, he was like, I still don't think I did anything wrong, but if I did, I'll apologize. And I'm like, okay, well, 
A, not an apology. B, fantastic way of showing that you have learned exactly zero from this whole situation, you know? Like, and that's kind of, that's, that's, that is how hockey culture works. It is, you do something wrong, you disappear for a couple of years, you come back and everyone's like, wow, he's so different, you know? Um, but then you look at, like, and this is just sexual abuse and assault. If we just look at this one problem, you don't even look at, you know, the misogyny, the homophobia, the racism. 20 years ago, Sheldon Kennedy went through the exact same thing, and it is still happening today. You look at, um, even within USA Hockey, the guy that they had to replace, Stan Bowman, uh, the uh, GM of the Minnesota Wild, Bill Guerin, was was under investigation for cover-up of a different sexual assault case, um, which it has since come out that um, it was just for a little bit, a little bit of, of context for the listeners who might not um, want to be as familiar with this case. Uh, it was with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in 2018, I believe. Uh, a the head coach at the time, Clark Donatelli, uh, assaulted his assistant coach's wife. And then when the assistant coach brought this to uh, Bill Guerin, who was the assistant GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins at the time, I believe, um, he basically was like, okay, well, don't say anything. We'll just get rid of him, but don't tell anyone. And, you know, uh, years later, that's that's kind of come out. And uh, the assistant coach, Jared Scaldi, has, and his wife have, filed a lawsuit, uh, which was settled, I believe, by the Penguins. They basically accused uh, Garen, Lemieux, uh, Ron Burkle of covering this up, and they were suing. And then uh, as recently as a couple of days ago, I think, it was announced that uh, Clark Donatelli has been uh, indicted on four counts of sexual sexual assault. You know, and that, that is just within the past six months these cases have all come out then you look at you know bob murray you look at akim Alou, you look at you know um like i could go on and on i was talking to a friend about this the other day and like um and i think I've, I've said this before in kind of our conversations it's there's a there's a, a an urge in sports to be like, well, my team would never do that. There's an urge, especially with this Blackhawks case, to be like, well, of course it's the Blackhawks. Look at the logo. Look at how they handled Patrick Kane in 2015. There's, I understand this urge to be like, well, obviously the Blackhawks mishandled this, but my team would never. And then you look at, you know, Bill Guerin, Mike Babcock, uh, Bill Peters, Joel Quenville, Kevin Sheveldayoff, Bob Murray. That's what, seven NHL teams now? And like, it's not like your team would, your team will, your team probably has. This is not a Chicago Blackhawks problem. This is a problem with the sport. The sport is set up. And again, this is kind of going back to what Anne said earlier. This sport, this culture is designed to keep the status quo in place. It is designed to, oh, well, if you if you speak out, if you say anything, if you criticize, you're a bad teammate. Kyle Beach never played in the NHL. He was labeled, he had attitude issues. He was bad in the locker room. He didn't have what it took. 
how much of that is a direct result of what he went through in 2010? You know, and I know I, I have kind of talked around the, the question that you asked here, Erica, but like, what what needs to what needs to change is everything you know we talk about in in the in the greater kind of like the society we talk about you know uh police reform and we talk about how do you reform something that is so completely rotten from the top to the bottom and i i don't know and it's the same question how do you fix the nhl when the nhl's built from top to bottom to perpetuate and to uh, silence this kind of abuse and again that's not even going into racism homophobia etc etc um yeah i'm actually really glad you said that jay because i was um attended an event for the 1619 project which critical race theory cover your ears podcast for another day um Oh, oh, anyway, okay, moving on. Um, anyway, so in that conversation, um, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is the, she is one of the authors and kind of curated a lot of the uh, 1619 project was just dealing with slavery in particularly uh, of Af- descendants of African Amer- or of Africans that were brought to the United States through the system of slavery. And what she said, which I think is exactly, Jay, what you just said, is, um, you know, that essentially white Americans have to decide that they want a different future. And so the NHL has to decide that it wants a different future. Okay, we're coming up on another portion of the part two of the roundtable. But before we do that, I got to tell you about Bet Online because we've got more props, more odds than ever before with the new interface. But even with the new interface and website, you know what I'm going to say. Bet Online remains your number one spot when it comes to sports action this season from basketball, football, NHL, of course, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. You can do everything that you need on the tablet, on the mobile device, on the desktop, on the laptop, and make sure you check out all of the props and odds and specials available in 2021 and beyond. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. But and I know you you done drop the mic on us once, but I wanted to give you an opportunity just to circle back regarding specifically the Locked On Predators podcast. You talked a little bit about your fandom, but have you thought about um, or have you already made adjustments to how you cover hockey because of the conversation that we're having? Yeah, I think there is um, there's a moment where you feel sort of the dissonance between, you know, it's my job to come on and talk analytics and and players and breakdowns. And I'm and I need to do it in a way that is engaging and entertaining. But I also feel the need to you know, it's difficult because this is something that I love, but it is broken and it is and it has to you know, the only thing that hockey can do right now is continue the way it is or change. And I want so desperately for this sport to change. And I see there are, there are people 
in the sport who want it to change. And there are great opportunities for growth. And I struggle to find the balance between just losing my ever loving beep um, when things like this continue, when we see these patterns again and again and, and you know, watching the NHL leadership kind of stonewall in this situation when here is your opportunity and they are missing it. Um, and so it is a struggle. I'll be, I'll be real honest with you. It is a struggle for me sometimes to know that I want, you know, I, my heart for this job that I have is to invite people into hockey because somebody did that for me and I fell in love with it. And, and I want it to be a sport where everybody can come and enjoy it. But I, again, it's this hard place of you got, you know, I've got to say some hard truths and I've got to check myself and I have to make sure that I'm not, I have to make sure I'm doing what's best for everybody when it comes to hockey. And sometimes that's really hard personally, because honestly, I think there is still this culture of you get access when you're nice. You get access when you don't rock the boat. And here's mm. the thing. There are nice, good stories. And I love to tell those. But not to the exclusion of speaking some truth. And and it's it's not always easy every day. Thank you so much for listening to this part two of the roundtable overall on Locked on NHL. Anne, Jake, Rachel, and of course, Sean, who worked as our producer and editor. Thank you so much. Thank you to the Locked on Network for giving us and an amplifying our, giving us a, a platform and amplifying our voices on this very important matter. As we talked about, though. Hockey culture will not change until hockey decides that it needs to change. But what we can do, because we are the consumers, we are the fans, we are the supporters of teams, players, and of course the overall league, we can make our voice heard. And certainly when we see something that is not part of hockey culture, we nip it in the bud and we are there for those who are part of the hockey loving community. We don't always have to agree with each other, but we should always honor and respect one another. And, you know, all kinds of cheers and things are said at sporting events, but that does not mean that we have the right or should feel empowered to belittle anyone or exclude anyone. And that's not what we stand for here at Locked on Kraken and certainly not what we stand for at Locked On Podcast Network. So we're thankful that we were able to do this. We hope that there was value. And if there was, please hit like, leave a comment. Let us know how you want to impact hockey culture for the better and move away from things that quite honestly are antiquated and a part of a larger systemic issue. But what we can do is say that we're going to stomp it out in hockey and we can do that together. I am pre-recording this, as you know, if you listen to yesterday's show. But I will be back because tomorrow is the Seattle Kraken game day. So we have some Seattle Kraken hockey to talk about. I'm looking forward to doing it. If you are traveling as well, I wish you safe passage. Thank you for those, especially on YouTube, who, who are hitting it up with the comments. I love it. Even when I post videos that were like from a few months ago and you're like, hey, what was this? I thought we were playing Pittsburgh. I love it. 
it's just another way to engage. So I'll be back at it. You'll notice that my camera will be different. My microphone will be different. I won't be as mobile and it should be a good time. As always, thank you for making Locked on Kraken your first listen. Now it's time for you to listen to Locked on Preds or Locked on Blue Jackets or Locked on Flyers. Or you can always go to Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. They're your experts. Get you ready for all of your sports betting needs. But for me and Locked on Kraken, a reminder to hold fast, stay true, and always let's go Kraken.